We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. You need to lead by example. You need to give who you are serving what they need to be successful. You need to give them leeway. You need to allow them to experience learning in their way, the way they need it. You need to be able to allow them to make those mistakes. And you need to support those mistakes when they happen or guide if they need help solving that problem or listen when they say, okay, this is what I did. It was wrong. This is what I did to fix it. What do you think? Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Daphne McMenemy is an educator, author, and speaker. Her first book, Gracie, is based on her personal experiences in the classroom. Gracie is a young girl whose learning is brought to life when her teacher introduces her to coding and a new way of thinking. As a child and young adult, Daphne was focused on becoming an educator with purpose to improve the lives of her students and make an impact on their educational journey. As an educator for the past 17 years, she has created opportunity for children in her classroom to explore learning in innovative ways. Using STEM to engage children as young as kindergarten age in discovering learning through coding, she develops numeracy, literacy, and computational thinking skills through creative exploration. Her experience in the classroom has proven to support even the most hesitant learners in building confidence in their abilities and engaging in the learning process. Daphne is committed to building relationships meeting students where they are, appreciating each individual, and finding opportunity to engage and motivate students in creative, innovative ways. Her newest venture allows her an extensive creative outlet as managing director of Codebreaker Incorporated. And I just, I have to welcome Daphne to the podcast. She is a very special guest for a number of reasons. First of all, we're in the second season of this show, and she is the first person to earn, shall we say, a second appearance on the podcast, and she's also currently editing my book. So, uh, Daphne, welcome. I'm glad to have you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I don't know if I earned a spot or if I just asked if I could come back. <laughs> I won't give myself too much credit. Well, if you don't, then I, I guess I'll pat myself on the back and say you wanted to come back on the show, so it must be an all right show. Sure. That works. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons that I wanted you to come back on this show a second time is because you really pushed my thinking the other day when we were talking. 
Now, I mentioned that you're you're currently editing my my upcoming book, but as we were talking about it, you really pushed my thinking about the whole idea of teacher-centered approach and how supporting, empower, engaging, and empowering teachers is also a very good way to help create leaders as early as in the classroom so that there's almost like a pipeline of leaders. So how about we start there? How do you see or what do you see the importance of doing those three things to create leaders in the classroom? So I think that creating leaders in the classroom, I think, is something that I've always sort of tried to do without realizing that that's what I was doing. Um, I think it started with, so when I was teaching um, kindergarten, when I first started teaching kindergarten, I had a lot of, uh, there was a lot of assumptions that, you know, it's, it's, they're just in kindergarten. So the list of what they couldn't do was often twice as long as what they could do in, in everybody's eyes. But having been there and having, you know, been with these kids and even for like, I taught first grade for, for quite a few years before moving into kindergarten. And there was always this idea that our youngest learners um, just can't do what other learners can do. And so I started to really advocate for their abilities. No, I know that they can do this. A few years back, I wanted to take my, my I'm, I'm an avid coder in the classroom, um, you know, as you mentioned, as you had read in the bio, and I found out that there was a field trip to the Apple store, and it was free. So I wanted to take my kids, so I called the Apple store, and I said, I have kids who have been coding all year long, and I'd like to, to go on this field trip. And one of the things you could pick was a coding. They had all different activities for the, for the program, and there was a coding one. So I talk to the people at the store and I said this is what I want to do okay what grade do you teach I said first and they said no um they said we don't run this program for those kids they're too young and I said no no, no but you haven't met my kids they can do it and I finally got a hold of somebody who was willing to, <laughs> to listen to me or maybe just tired of listening to me and they said fine but we can't guarantee you that it's going to be successful because your kids are so young and we've never had kids this age come in for this program and I said, I promise it's going to be successful. My kids can do it. Just They just need a chance for someone to let them do it. And so we did. We went to the Apple store and we ruled that place. And it was amazing. And it was such a fantastic trip. And I remember throwing pictures of it on Twitter and getting a lot of you know, feedback. Oh my God, you took your kids to the Apple store. That's the, like, it was just a really, really positive experience. And I remember you know, at that point thinking, just so many people just assumed that these kids couldn't do things because of their age. And it started to make me reflect on what was I doing that was unconsciously assuming they couldn't do things. And it was simple, like really simple things. Like when I was introducing them to new technology, for example, I was introducing them to the sort of easier version of an app um, or, you know, the, the, the earlier level of an app because I assumed they couldn't do the, the harder one or the, you know, the level two version. And then, uh, so that was me, you know, realizing that I was doing the same thing right within my classroom. And so really opened my eyes to giving them opportunities. And slowly over the course of a few years, um, I started building a, a more empowered environment in my classroom. You know, even simple things like, can I go to the bathroom? Please don't ask me to go to the bathroom. If you have to go to the bathroom, then go to the bathroom. <laughs> but just let me know that, that you're leaving the room. And so, you know, it was things like that. Miss McNamee, can I sharpen my pencil? 
please don't ask me to sharpen, just go sharpen your pencil. And so little things like that started to pop up a lot where, um, you know, I started incorporating that into our expectations at the beginning of the year. If you need something for your learning, you need something for your learning. If you need a sharpened pencil, sharpen your pencil. If you need to go get some scissors, go get some scissors. Don't ask me you know, I need some water, go get water, you know, don't, you don't need to, even, and so in kindergarten, we have a full day kindergarten program in Ontario. And part of it is, uh, their afternoon, you know, they have the opportunity to rest if they need it. So that was another thing. It was, you know, I didn't necessarily see the need to put all of our kids on mats for an hour because not everybody was tired for an hour. Uh, so we would teach that self-regulation, you know, you're crying and screaming and having a meltdown and you're probably tired. So why don't you go get a mat and lay down? So just, I didn't see it as teaching our kids to be leaders. I saw it. I always saw it as teaching self-regulation. You need something, you need to get it. Um, and then these last couple of years is when I started to realize that, no, I'm actually teaching them to be leaders of their own learning and leaders of our own classroom environment. So this year, has been a year very different than most. Um, obviously, in, in Ontario, for us, we just came back from um, online learning again. So this was the first year in since COVID that we've been in for a full year. We were home again at Christmas for a couple of weeks, but otherwise we've been at school. And so my first and second grade learners this year have barely been in a classroom prior to this year. So not only did I need to teach curriculum, but I needed to teach them how to be students. They didn't learn how to sit at a carpet and how to, or they, I mean, they did, but they didn't get two years of it like my previous learners would have. So at the beginning of the year, I just decided to let go of a lot of control. I used to have a label on the pencil sharpener that said teacher hands only because it, not because I didn't trust them, but because I didn't want them to break it. But then I started to realize that pencil sharpener was all the way across the room. And I was tired of getting up every time I needed a pencil sharpened. So I ripped the sticker off and I said, just go sharpen it. And so what I realized was the more control I gave to them over their learning because either I was too lazy or because I didn't see the need for me to have to be in charge of certain things the more it required me to teach them the concept of, of trust and respect. So I really want you to be able to use that pencil sharpener on your own, but there is a responsibility required in, in using it. So instead of, you know, this is how you use the pencil sharpener, or this is how you do this, or this is how you do that with those specific examples, our conversation started to be surrounding more of those leadership skills. And this is how we speak to our friends when we're upset. This is how we show respect to the things in our classroom. This is how we show ourselves respect. And so the vocabulary just naturally changed. The conversations just naturally changed because we weren't focused on those little things anymore. And so I would say often at the beginning of the year when they would come to me, can I go to the bathroom? Can I use a sharpener? Can I, whatever it was. And I would say, yes, this is our classroom. Go, Ms. McNamee, can I have a piece of paper? Or can I have your scissors? They're not my scissors. They're our scissors. Go get them. And so slowly they started to just go and get things that they needed on their own. There are things in the classroom that I can say, you can't be in here. And the reason is this, but otherwise, if you can see it, it's yours. If I don't want the kids to touch it, it's behind a closed door. If it's out, it's theirs. And if they have a responsibility to use the materials appropriately, they have the responsibility to speak to their classmates appropriately and to be kind and respectful and all of that stuff. 
And so when I started to move the focus away from those specific studenting things and releasing my control freakness about how everything should be just so, it we we just became a different environment, a different classroom. We do a lot of writing in our class. We're, we're authors all the time. They love to make books. And so one of my littles came to me and he said, I want to share this book, but I want it out so other people can look at it. I said, okay. And he said, I need, uh, we need a basket for books. And so I pointed him into the cupboard and I said, go pick a basket. He picked a basket. We have a, a, a maker shelf. He grabs some paper and some tape and everything in our classroom is labeled. Everything has a home. So everything is, is it's controlled chaos, but everything has a home. And so and he knew that. So he picked up a marker, some tape, and he wrote uh, books to share. And he made his own basket. He put it on and he decided to let everybody in the class know that if you have a book, you want to share it, that's the basket it goes in. Things like at the end of the day, we pack up all of our stuff before we gather on the carpet before, you know, to say our goodbyes in our, in our end of day routine. And I was finding myself saying every day, leave your backpacks at your desk. Don't bring your backpacks to the carpet. There's not enough room. And so one of the kids came to me and said, um, I think we need to make a sign that says no backpacks so that you don't have to say it anymore so that we can just point to the sign and kids remember not to bring their backpack. I said, okay, then go for it, make a sign. Um, I don't make the signs. I don't make the baskets. I don't make the labels anymore. Our whole classroom is theirs. And so now we have a sign at the front of the room that says it's just a picture of a backpack with an X through it. And kids are reminded. And I had nothing to do with it. That was a solution that was the problem that we had. It was a solution that they came up with and they created the appropriate tools or whatever to put the solution into practice. And now we don't have backpacks on the carpet at the end of the day anymore. And it's all um, through empowerment. And I, part of it is because if you, if you don't want, I was getting, you know, you should make a sign that says no backpacks on the carpet. And I said, no, you should make a sign that says no backpacks on the carpet. (laughs) So they did. Uh, So there's, you know, there's a lot of that. If you think that our classroom is going to run better in this way, then you make it happen. And you can be six years old and make it happen. And I have a classroom full of leaders that I am so incredibly proud of. And yes, my classroom it can look chaotic from the outside looking in, but I have, it is a beautiful place to be every single day. And when things happen outside, kids, t- teachers may not know from standing afar who they are. And as, as teachers get close and they see what the kids are doing, they've been able to pinpoint, they know they're my kids based on what they're doing, not based on their names or what they look like. They know you're McMenemy's kid. And I know that because you're making a slingshot out of school that you found in God knows where, <laughs> not hitting anybody with it, but like they've, they've started to figure out how we roll in our classroom. But I think that was a very long winded answer. So I apologize, but just, uh, we can give our kids will be leaders if they're given opportunities to be leaders. That is what I should have said 10 minutes ago. No. I, okay. So this is why anybody <laughs> that had any doubt why I had you on a second time, you just removed all of it. No, that that's fantastic. There is so much in there that I want to unpack uh, right, that you said it. it and you kind of glossed over it. Like it was all, oh, this is just the way it goes, but there's, there's so much that's applicable to the high school level. And there's so much that's applicable to, you know, supporting, engaging, empowering teachers. So like, for instance, expectations, right? People rise to the level of expectations we have for them. And at what point in a student's life do we start giving them the expectation and then obviously supporting them, but giving them the expectation that they can be better, 
that they can be leaders. So at what point in a teacher's career or a leader's term in that office in the building, do they start letting people know, okay, I have these expectations of you. Yes, they're high, but you can do them. And I know Mm -hmm. you can do them and I'm going to offer you the support to do it. Now, that doesn't just come overnight. What the interesting thing that happens is, and I, I was thinking of this term as you were talking, is that you've created an atmosphere of advocacy in your classroom where students see something and they are fine with self-advocating about, I think this, I need this. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts there, right, with the self, where I, I need to go to the bathroom, I need to drink a water, and you you empower them to do that. Well, then if they can talk about that, why can't they notice something in the classroom that they don't like? Too many backpacks on the floor for people. And then they advocate about that. And then there's Mm -hmm. that piece that you give them the ability to do that. So that whole idea of letting go of control, um, an atmosphere of advocacy, what happens if it doesn't work? Where's the lesson in there? Well, that's the lesson. Hey, this didn't work. So... (laughs) I, I, so I'm not a proponent of rules, um, not the term, I guess, I don't know. And I think anybody knows me and goes, duh, but yeah, <laughs> we know. But even simple things like at the beginning of the year, okay, you're supposed to have your class set of rules. I don't have a class set of rules. I have expectations and it's, I have one expectation. You need to be respectful. And that is massive. You need to respect yourself. You need to respect others. You need to respect our things. And so what does that look like? And, you know, I'm a person who, if you're going to tell me not to do something or to do something, I'm going to do it because I, I, do, I am a, a bit of a rule follower in that regard, but I also need to understand why. So why can't I run down the hall, you know? Well, because it's not safe, but why not? So it's not, so, you know, we don't, we there's no rules that say, I don't know the list of rules that say don't run in the classroom. Don't talk when the teacher is talking. No, be respectful. And when you're respectful, it means you're not interrupting. And why can't you interrupt? Well, when you interrupt, you're stopping the learning of other people around you. And that's not fair. So we, uh, that will often happen that I will say, is that fair? Um, so you're allowed to interrupt me the whole time because you're very excited about sharing what your idea is, but then nobody else is allowed to learn. So do you think that that's fair? No, it's not fair. So how do we solve that problem? And so I will often that I exhaustively say, this is the problem. How do we solve it? And then they will. So I've created a little bit of a monster in that regard because now they think they have an opinion that they get a say in, in everything. <laughs> so there are times where I have to say, this is a problem. This is the solution. And they'll say, this is funny. How about, no, 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 this, that's it. This is it. But that's only if it's like a, a, a serious thing. And they, that's, that's the other thing that this sort of, you know, method to my madness, they, when something is serious, they know, and they know that, um, if I'm, if I'm speaking to them sternly, or if I'm upset with them or frustrated, I also share that too. I'm very frustrated because, you know, we have friends in the classroom who are doing this and I don't know how to solve that problem. I've used my words. It's not working. I've tried to ask people to do A, B, and C. It's not working. My friends and I need help. I need help. I don't know how to solve this problem. What are we going to do? And they'll, you know, they'll come up with ideas and I, maybe I don't have a solution. Maybe I do have a solution so I can, you know, strategically guide them into giving me the, the answer that I need. But in the end, they will always 
but not always, 99% of the time they will feel like they have come up with the solution. And then when that doesn't work, I can say, hey, you said that this is what was going to happen to solve the problem and it never, it, it didn't solve the problem. You told me that you were going to do this and none of you are doing this. So that's the problem. How do we solve that? We have um, a lot of technology in my classroom. So there's, there was a lot of talk on how to use the technology appropriately. Easy. That's the easy part. They know how to carry an iPad and robots and all that stuff. So then we were using the iPads and the rule was, you know, you can only use the app the teacher's telling you to use. Then I started to notice like my rules were kind of even annoying me. Why, why can you only use the app that I'm telling you to use? And then yet I have 30 apps on the iPad and I'm expecting these children to be successful. That's completely unfair. So what we decided is sometimes I'm going to tell you to use a certain app. And if you don't want to use that app, don't use the iPad. And sometimes it's going to be your choice. Is that fair? Yes, it's fair. Perfect. Let's move on. The problem we had was kids were using the iPad and they were taking pictures of classmates and then they were putting, they were using an app and they were decorating uh, the pictures of classmates in this app. And it was upsetting some of the other kids because they put flames here and hats and anyway. So it became problematic. And so we put a rule in that said, uh, you can no longer, you have to ask somebody before you take their picture. Okay, that's a good rule. So let's do that. But then, okay, so I said, yes, you can take my picture, but then you started decorating it in a way that I was not happy with. And so, okay, so that didn't solve the problem. So the first thing then, so this started to escalate and I was reactive and I, my first solution was, well, now you don't get to use the iPad. And I, as I angrily took the iPad from a couple of kids. I realized this is literally not solving the problem. It's solving it immediately because now they can't use the iPad, but am I never going to give them an, like, is Santa not going to bring you presents? No, that's never going to happen. <laughs> so if I just never give the kid the iPad again, sure, the problem's solved, but is that what's going to happen? No, because they're adorable and I fall for them every day. And 10 minutes later, I'm like, hey, you can have the iPad back. Like shameless. I, I can't even lie that happens. <laughs> But it's also because I trust them. And, and you know, I, I, I've learned this year that if I don't give them plenty of opportunity to prove to me that I, they can be trusted and they can be kind and all of that, then they're, they're just not going to see the need to be any of those things uh, for me or for themselves. So we kept having this iPad issue. So I finally sat down and we decided we're going to talk about what this means. And so they, I guided them to... To, to put some uh, rules of practice in place on uh, digital citizenship. We talked about what that means. We talked about why, and you know, not you're not allowed to take a photo of anybody anymore, but it was, you know, what can you do? What can I do? What can we do? And so if you're doing all of these things, then you are being a respectful person in our classroom and you are using, and the rule is, I am using technology responsibly and appropriately. And so what does that look like? Well, it means I'm not doing this or I am doing this. They came up with those rules. I just wrote them on the chart and now those rules stay on our wall. And I can tell you that that it was that moment, we've yet to have a signal. I'm going to say this is going to happen Monday, but we've yet to have a repeat of the issues we were having before. And it was because I finally sat down and involved them in the, you know, practice of, of, of solving this problem together. And oftentimes it's, that's what it takes. It takes me sitting back to say, okay, 
I, they need to be more involved in solving in, in the solutions of these. And I say problems, it might not be problems. It just could be something that's not working. It's not necessarily like, you know, a big problem that's stopping the, the learning or, or, or hurting the well-being of anybody else, but it's just maybe something that's not effectively happening in the classroom. And honestly, sometimes it comes right down to, I'm feeling very frustrated. I'm feeling very disrespected. Um, this is not how I treat you. And I, I don't feel like you're being fair to my feelings. And sometimes that's all they need to hear. And they realize, all right, she lets us do whatever we want. Maybe we need to kind of pull up our socks here and be a little bit more respectful about that. Because I do let them do whatever they want because the things that they want to do, I mean, they're not running rampant through the, through the schoolyard with knives and, you know what I mean, or scissors or, or what have you. They want to learn and they want to learn in their way. And why should I ever stop them? Why I should be guiding my practice to them, not molding them to my practice. And that's taken a lot of years to learn. And that's how I've built leaders because I've, I've, I've made them realize that they are the most important person in the room and what they need needs to happen. And what they need is not what somebody else needs. So we used to have the, well, why, how come he gets to use an iPad and I don't, and I will always respond with, because that's what he needs right now. And you don't, and they stop questioning that too. You know, how can they get to, because that's what they need. And they'll just, they just look and they go, Oh, okay. And they, they, they understand. I don't need that right now. So I'm not going to get that right now. And that's, that's what it can, it's black in that regard. It's black and white. And they, they understand that and they don't question it. That's awesome. They, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought that full circle, but well, one, because of course they questioned, but you brought it full circle with something you said right in the beginning, which was the other thing I had wanted to get to about the building. Well, the classroom is theirs and it's their environment and their world. I want to talk a little bit more about that as we kind of brought it out. But the first thing I want to do is take a quick sponsor break. And right after that, we'll come back with that. Perfect. Today's podcast is sponsored by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the podcast that inspired me to start this one. Since 2015, the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast has released hundreds of episodes with millions of downloads. Subscribe and listen each week to great conversations on the topic of school leadership. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back with Daphne and we've been talking about a lot of things and um, the idea of building leaders at a, a young age. And Daphne, you've you've been basically been putting on a clinic at how this looks at the younger grades for all the listeners. And, I, and I'm just trying to keep up and unpack and take all these notes because you're saying so much. But one of the things you that really hit home for me is you saying, this is the problem, how do we solve it? And then the idea of the classroom's theirs. Now, looking at that happening in, a, in, a, in an early age classroom and then broadening it to high school. And I remember a long time ago when I first got into administration, 
sitting down with the superintendent for my final interview and him saying, you know, the building is really the students, the students, the students own the building. And that's, that's how it goes. It's, it's for them. And I, I, I remember thinking to myself, well, yeah, that's cool. And it sounded really good. And then I went to the building he was talking about, and I'm like, you won't let them do anything without express yeah. written permission in triplicate form, you know? And it's like the students, it wasn't their building. It was, it was their building based on the vision the teachers had of what was considered theirs right? rather than that. Instead of having that tight, loose control, because there are times that you need um, um, some control, but yes. it's, it's just really, it's really powerful culture building to say that something is theirs and there isn't an issue you can't overcome a problem you can't solve if everybody's in on it. Right. If, the, if, mm-hmm. if everybody takes ownership of it. So I know you can do that for students. I've seen that working for students, but now as a leader, right. A building leader, I do the same thing. My, my teachers have a ton of leeway. They can do whatever they want. And my job as I view it is to support them in doing um, that mm-hmm. and taking chances and taking risks. So how does a leader do something similar for teachers where basically gives ownership over to of the building to teachers so they can in turn then give it to the students. Any ideas on that? I think that um, I think as an as an administrator with a teacher speaking personally, like I've I've worked for uh, you know half a dozen administrators in my career. I don't think it's any different. I think that you have to you have to trust their professional judgment. And, you know, I understand that professional judgment from me when I was 25 and first walked into the classroom is very different 17 years later. So if my administrator stood in my classroom 17 years ago and was like, mm, I don't really trust your professional judgment. Well, yeah, cool, because I'm 25 and I don't know if I'm coming or going. So <laughs> I, I respect that. But, you know, I've, I feel, and I'm, this is not me sitting on a pedestal, but this is me being proud of my accomplishments. I've, I'm, I've proven what I can do. And, and that I can do it well in, in this particular way. So if you stood at my door and you watched for a particular afternoon, and if, if you just looked, you, you would maybe not be <laughs> thrilled. But if you, that's, if you just stopped and stared, my administrator will walk into my room and she will just go around and look at the kids. And so she came in one day. So we have a writing block every day and it's just, it's free writing and they, they sit. And when we started, it was, we're going to sit at our desk so that we can, you know, learn that blah, blah, blah. Now, when they see, we have a, a schedule on our wall when they see writing, they know they come in, they get the materials and they scatter. They go wherever they want to write. Because when I'm sitting at home writing, sometimes I'm on my, sometimes I'm in bed, sometimes I'm on my couch. It's the same idea with reading. Why do we all need to read at our desks? Do you sit and do that at home? Nope. So, you know, we wear, we make sure we have shoes on so we're safe if there's a fire drill, but otherwise go wherever you want to go. So it's the same thing with writing. So some kids are literally laying down on the carpet with a clipboard. Some kids are at their desk. Some kids are, you know, at my desk, if that's where they want to sit or the rocking chair, pick a spot they're there. Uh, as long as you're safe, they're there. And so she'd come in one day and she started walking around and I was happened to be sitting and kids come and go at my table as they wish. And I will get up sometimes and sit with other kids. And some was, I have a, a horseshoe table and oftentimes they just sit there. Like they take over my space. They like to sit in my teacher chair. They sit in the rocking chair. I never used to be able to, no, no, that's my chair. You can't sit there. And now 
I, I, I'm embarrassed that, that I used to not let them sit in my teacher chair. Like, why not? It's just a chair. Same with the rocking chair. It's going to make me sit there. It's a chair. Yes, you can sit in a chair. Can I sit in? I'm not asking you if I can sit in your chair. It's a chair in our classroom. I'm going to sit in it because I need a chair. So that conversation happened as well. At any rate, I was sort of here, there, and everywhere. She came in. She talked to a few kids. And off she went. And I was really worried. I was nervous that what, because what it could look like to somebody who doesn't understand or doesn't see, it could have just looked like me just letting a bunch of kids do whatever they wanted. And so I went to see her after school and I said, you know, I would love some feedback on what you saw because, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I want to know what you thought. And I was worried. And she listed all the things that she saw, which was everything that I saw and everything that I was hoping that somebody else would see if you just gave me the opportunity to prove to you that I can do it in the same way that we need to give our little people the opportunity to prove that they can do it. But if they're not given an opportunity, if they're not allowed, then they can't show you that they can do it. So I can, can run a very successful writing program this way. They don't all need to be in rows at a desk with a pencil. They can sit with Sharpies and on the carpet and what have you. And she saw that. If she had decided before she got to my classroom that, this is, that writing only looks this way, she would have never seen what she would have seen when she walked in the room that day. And so that also takes a very big open mind to understand that different teachers teach in different ways. And if she went to my colleague's classroom next door, it was going to look very different and it's going to sound very different. If she was an administrator who only believed in one way of doing things, one of us would have been in trouble depending on, you know, the day. So that I think other than obvious, the obvious things of the difference between an administrator and a teacher and a relationship versus a teacher and a student relationship, other than the, the very obvious things, there really isn't a difference in terms of leadership. You're not, you, you shouldn't be doing anything different. You need to lead by example. You need to give who you are serving what they need to be successful. You need to give them leeway. You need to allow them to to experience learning in their way, the way they need it. You need to be able to um, allow them to make those mistakes and you need to support those mistakes when they happen or guide if they need help solving that problem or listen when they say, okay, this is what I did. It was wrong. This is what I did to fix it. What do you think? And sometimes you can say, no, no try this way, or you can say, yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. But if nobody gets the opportunity to make those mistakes, try new things, be who they want to be, be free and open to what they believe is the best possible practice, whether I'm a learner or I'm a teacher, then none of that can ever happen. Okay. So here's the deal. I, don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> I was just going to say, so here's the deal. Get out your calendar. I'm going to schedule for a third appearance. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's perfect. You just drew a straight line from the higher grades to the lower grades and from leadership through teachers and into students. That's, I mean, you drew a perfect line. I was going to say it's so important if I could just drive this home um, because this is half the battle with building relationships and building trust. When leaders go into classrooms and do walkthroughs in classrooms or even for a formal evaluation um, or a formal observation that ends up in a formal evaluation, 
they have to leave the idea that teaching only looks this way in their office before they leave their office. I, I was I was sharing with you before we hopped on here to record this that I was doing um, some interviews. We're interviewing for a couple positions at my building. And, and okay. one of the questions is around the idea, because they happen to be a supervisory position. One of the questions is, what does highly effective teaching look like? And I used to think that was a good question. But... Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure that it would get scowls if the person that you asked that question of an interview said, well, it depends. But yeah. that would be the right answer. And yeah. after listening to you, I feel confident that I could sit there and argue why depends would be a right answer. Yeah. Because it's a highly individualized thing. And it and it it depends on, you know, we say all the time that a teacher never teaches the same students twice. Right. Every day is different. And then at the high school or well, middle school, when you start to switch classes, every day, every class is different. So how can we as leaders sit there and think that every teacher isn't different on every day? Right. And adjust accordingly. So you said a lot of good things. I, I do want to get to the end of this, this podcast shortly. And I know I already asked you the two questions that I ask every guest that appears and because it's your second time. So I'm going to throw a different one at you. Oh, okay. Given you're excited about that, right? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Go yeah. for it. Keeping the idea of leadership, supporting, engaging, and empowering teachers, and how that can bleed down to teachers doing the same for students. Because boy, I'll tell you, I get I get really excited when we start to talk about creating leaders at an early age. Because I I envision what your students look like moving into sixth grade. And then if that if that trend continues, what that looks like coming into ninth grade and then what they look like when they're leaving high school mm -hmm. and how powerful that is. Keeping all that in mind and how we can do that and create that that uh, that atmosphere of advocacy, so to speak. What should school look like or education and the educational experience look like for students and teachers in a perfect world? Oh, God. What should it look like? Small question. <laughs> well what should it look like i think i think i think it depends <laughs> okay i i yeah and i don't say that um to, to be funny i think i think it really does um i mean if, if there had to be a, a, a right answer to encompass all of that we need to meet our learners where they are whether we as an administrator and my learner is my teacher or I am a teacher, a classroom teacher, and my learner is my, my students in front of me, we need to meet our learners where they are. That's it, the end. In the same way that I, like, learning doesn't look, I used to think that learning looked one way, my way. And that's because I was, you know, 20-something. And I, I went through a period where if somebody wasn't doing the things that I was doing, I felt that they were being ineffective. And um, that was a really closed-minded way of looking at things. I thought I was doing such a great job. And maybe, maybe I was doing a really great job. But just because I was doing a great job doesn't mean somebody else was doing a bad job, right? So learning, meeting our learners where they are is what we need to focus on in education. Our learners are not our learners in 2022, let me rephrase that, our youngest learners coming to school in 2022 were born with technology in their faces. Literally, there was an iPhone in an infant's face four seconds after they showed up into this world in our Western society is what I can say. So, you know, we need to meet those learners where they are. We can no longer say, well, you know, we can't 
we can't integrate technology for for a hundred reasons. No, or even you know we got to ban phones. And their whole life is a phone. It's the same thing whether it's in high school. You know these are not these are not problems to solve. These are these are problems. They're not problems to solve. They're there, it's it's a way of life that we need to begin to integrate for our learners. So if we're meeting our learners where they are, it means integrating technology. If we're meeting our learners where they are, it means thinking about things like mental health in our six-year-olds, where before we weren't thinking that because, hey, they're just kids, they're fine. It means looking at our, our kindergarten program. Very often people think of kindergarten as, you know, glorified babysitting or it's just kindergarten. I get, you know, we get a lot of that kindergarten is the two most crucial years of any child's education. And I will, I will die on a hill for that as a parent and as an educator, I will die on a hill. Those two crucial years will make, not will, but are so important to our educators. And our youngest learners come at us with such different life experiences. So we need to meet them where they are. Meeting our kids where they are doesn't mean throwing textbooks in their faces. It's not 1985 anymore. Meeting our kids where they are means understanding that they are leaders. It doesn't matter how old they are and that they have a right to be in a classroom that meets their needs and shows them what they are capable of and having to ask to move or ask to do anything in the room or need permission to just learn in a way that's best for them is not meeting our learners where they are. It's meeting our learners where we are. And we need to let go of that. Education doesn't look today the way it looked when we were students. And we need to to move past that. The kids, our kids are coming to us so different um, as our years progress. And especially right now with COVID that has thrown us a huge wrench in terms of of the type of learners that we're getting from in all capacities because of what kids were exposed to um, all over the world. So meeting people where they are, I think, is the key. That's what education should look like. That's that's the answer. That's my answer. Wow. You had nothing to worry about for that question. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, there's, like I said, there's no doubt about the great work you're doing and, and the things you're talking about. I, you know, I, I wanted to yell preach about halfway through. I can't imagine people aren't going to want to get in touch with you or, or hear more or maybe interact with you in some way. What's the best way people can reach out and get in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at McMenemy Tweets, or you can visit uh, DaphneMcMenemy.com and there's all my, my contact info and everything's uh, there as well. Awesome. So Daphne, the superstar teacher, the author, the coder, everything. I can't thank you enough for coming on a second time. I really appreciate it. And I could talk to you for hours. So thank you. Thank you. I could totally talk to you for hours. Thanks for having (laughs) me. I appreciate it. I'll schedule visit three later on. (laughs) Deal. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week.
There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.